Yo, 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 what it is, world. The Utah Jazz are going to win the NBA championship, and you're listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. Just a couple of indisputable facts to get things started today. I'm Travis Lincoln Cox, and I'm so happy to welcome you to this episode of Game Tape. You know, we found that watching back a show and discussing things that worked and things that didn't has helped us grow as artists and improvisers. And that's all we really want from life, you know, a little growth. So, here we are, just growing away. Once again, we had to record this episode without Anatasha because she's been asked to come off the bench for the Jazz in round two of the playoffs. Not even Kawhi Leonard can slow her down and experts are predicting Jazz in five. In this episode, we talk about the cost of playing too loose, how getting it wrong, quote unquote, or failing, quote unquote, can actually be a lot of fun and how making big choices and bold statements can give your scenes the momentum they need. So here we go with another episode of Game Tape on the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. You're listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. Can you see how sweaty I am still? I can. You kind of, I was not going to question what you were coming from when you first jumped on the call. I'm just really nervous. I understand a lot of people get very nervous. Yeah. No, I played basketball this morning and I'm fat and out of shape. So I'll be sweating for three days. <laughs> for three days? <laughs> yeah. I was sweating. That's miserable. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Look at this drawing I made. Oh, show me. Ooh, okay. I'm going to try to describe it because we're on a podcast. Hold on. Pull it back a little bit. This is a sort of a, I'm going to call it a doodle. Don't be offended. But it's, no, it's, it's nice though. It's, it's kind of Picasso-esque. Looks like a, like a unique interpretation of a rose. Bingo, baby. Uh, where can, are you posting these on your Instagram? Absolutely not. This is for private we're going to talk some game tape. It's been a while. We're a little rusty. We Pish and I are very busy. Anatasha is even busier than all of us because she's not even here. Yes. So we took a little break from the pod, but we're back. We're excited to talk game tape. This show we did on June. Nope. May 26th. June. <laughs> nope. This is a show we did on May 26th. Our suggestion was a kid who was bullied. And it was a fun show. It was just Pishy and I. And my kind of thought for this show is it was the difference between like professional basketball and pickup basketball. And what I mean by that is professional basketball, the players are locked in. They know the plays. They've got a game plan. They're working towards something. Where And pickup basketball, you just sort of show up and like you play basketball. And at least for myself, mentally, I had had a, a busy day. Uh, I wasn't really locked in, but I did have a lot of fun playing the game. I mean, life doesn't always present you with the perfect circumstances to show up to an improv show grounded and ready to be present, but the ability to be playful in whatever state you come with, good one to have. Yeah, I was I was rushing to the show also from having to film a self-tape and get it in by 6 p.m., literally uploading the file at 5.59 and <laughs> hitting the submit button with less than 30 seconds to go. I was in a rush. And then my camera wasn't working, so I had to set up my phone. 
And yeah, when you're playing a pickup game, you just hope you don't sprain an ankle. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get a good workout. Have some fun. Yeah, I think I, I wasn't as grounded as I wanted to be in this show. I wasn't maybe as patient as I could have been, but uh, I think we still had a lot of fun and we're very playful, which is a testament to just the raw talent that we have. Man, we have so much raw talent. It's just so raw. So talent. Just just raw meat, baby. Just yeah. eating it like sushi. We're like the sushi of improv. So anyways. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it showed... It was fun right at the beginning. My dad called because I had forgot to silence my phone, which is a clue that I wasn't locked in. But there's no mistakes in improv. So I took the call. We made it work. I thought your way to justify that was really fun. Just acting like I had blacked out for 10 minutes. I'd like my character had jumped into a different dimension or something. It was was fun. It was kind of silly. I know you didn't. I believe you. I'm just disappointed. Hey, hold on a second. Yeah, hey, Dad. What's going on? Hi. Hey. That was abrupt. Yeah, I'm right in the middle of an improv show. You're live on Facebook right now, just so you know. Oh, joy. (laughs) Say something funny, quick. Yeah. I got a great socks. Excellent. That was perfect. You nailed it. Yeah. You had a moment to shine and you shone. Anyway, I got to go. I'll call you back. Yeah, call me after. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Hey, what happened to you? What happened to you? You passed out for like 10 minutes. What would happen? (sighs) Yeah, I've I've got a condition. It's it's not good. I, I, I only have like a month or two to live. But let's talk about why you only have a month or two to live. I have no problem with playing meta. Different people have different opinions about playing meta in an improv show. The degree with which they want the fourth wall to be solid and impenetrable. Um, but we've had some coaches who have, I think, challenged us to break that fourth wall. But it was also fun to play like, these characters really exist. And when they go meta, they just black out. Yeah. They pass out. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Because I like this. Going meta and improv is a fun topic. And my theory on it is I think the reason why it gets a bad rap is a lot of people go meta out of fear. They'll Mm. find themselves in a place that they're uncomfortable with or they'll find themselves in a place where they don't know what's going on and they're afraid or they're afraid of looking dumb. And so as a way to sort of like pull the parachute, they go meta and like break that fourth wall and comment on what's happening. And when fear is the reason you do it, I I think you can get into trouble. But if you're doing it intentionally because you're following something that seems fun and creative, I think it's fair game. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're in an interesting part of like, I'm not one to speak about art history, but here we go. (laughs) I think comedy is entering into this abstract period where things that are a little more absurd and a little less straightforward and theatrical are now more mainstream. And so as we see more mainstream stuff like that being produced, going meta is a legitimate move that audiences will recognize and appreciate. But I also, one of the first improv workshops I ever took 
was taught in Austin from a guy named Jason Vines, a good friend of mine and a good improviser in Austin that was uh, in the community when I started improvising. And it was all about not commenting to the audience, like smirking to the audience that you're doing comedy. It was like, they know you're performing comedy. Don't take an exit path by like smirking at them and being like, or commenting on it or going meta because you want to make sure that the audience knows that you're okay. Hmm. It's like being defensive. It's like, I need to protect my image, you know? Yeah. But that's very different than making a creative choice to break the fourth wall in an abstract, absurd way which is legitimate and I think super fun. And I think we have a lot of fun with that in different ways. Cool. Cool. I like that. I like that thought a lot. So uh, good job. It helped us keep the scene going without losing energy too, I thought, and actually gave us more to play with. It introduced that I had a, you know, a terminal condition and I was going to die soon, which instantly injected some stakes into what was going on. So well done. Yeah. That was great with being able to justify the blackout and you justify it in a way that immediately added stakes to the relationship. It yeah. wasn't like, look at how funny we are being meta. It was like, we're rolling it and wrapping it up into the show. And of course, now it's part and parcel with what we're creating. thought this first scene was a lot of fun. Astronauts getting ready to blast off. One of them is for sure going to die soon, but he doesn't want to tell anyone. One is in love with the other one. And there were so many different you know, things going on. I, I wanted to ask you if you have a, a thought or a term or a way to define what happened when we took that left turn to explore polyamory. Mm -hmm. uh, because I love when that happens where we're in the scene, there's stakes, and then this sort of shiny object pops up off to the side and all of our focus goes to that shiny object for a second and then we and then we come back to the scene like what do you call that you know as well as i do that anytime we climb inside that rocket and we blast off into space that might be it we might never come back so this time what makes this time any different i didn't propose to rebecca because i'm in love with you Now you're going to die and we're not going to be able to spend the rest of our lives together on Mars. Do you ever think about how I know these are my last days and I chose to spend them with you <gasps> and McKenna and Jefferson, you know, they're going to be there too, but most, but you were the main reason. Wait, are you saying that, that you want a polyamorous? I don't think we can no, really. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm just saying that, like, I'm not just going to spend my last days. I've read with a you. lot about polyamory, but I don't know if I can commit to something like that. OK, listen, I agree. It's a very fascinating subject. And part and of me wonders if, like, I, I could go down that road sometime. But I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying. I, I mean, am I the primary? I don't know if I'm the primary or someone else. I chose to spend my last days with you. It just so happens that McKenna and Jefferson are going to be there. I don't look. I don't need to know why you want to be polyamorous. I just want to. Uh, God, I don't.
You're not going to tell, right? It's playing with tangents. Life conversations have tangents all the time. Mm. You go on, a, you're telling a story and then all of a sudden a tangent happens. I love exploring those kinds of moments because sometimes, you know, if you're just on rails in a show, raising stakes, it's very straightforward. It can get pretty predictable. So it's like a really fun way to like, you don't always just have to make it super straightforward. You can have a completely random tangent from a, based on a misunderstanding that I thought your character was talking about polyamory, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it, that it's, it's surprising yourself. I also think it, it sort of stems from making everything important. You know, you could have easily brushed over the fact that, yeah, of course, the rest of the crew is going to be there, but whatever, whatever. But you latched onto that and made it important, which inspired this whole other tangent. I also think it's fun. It's a fun skill that you and I have worked on and talking and listening at the same time. Totally. Yeah, I think on Zoom, it's more difficult, but this was one of the most successful times I think we've been able to do it since performing on stage. Mm. I love the messiness of improv and I love playing with that. And I think this is a good man manifestation. <sighs> <sighs> I think this is a good manifestation of that. Yeah, I agree. It's a fine line. I feel like it's a fine line of being messy in a fun way, in a in an exciting way, and being messy in a confusing, disorienting way. I feel like the next scene, I also rolled that line and maybe tipped a little too much with my big physicality of that mm -hmm. bully, just like rep the repetition of like pounding my fist and getting bigger and weirder and crazy it was so much fun to do, and I was really enjoying myself. But I do think I reached a point where I was just doing it for myself and having fun. And I sort of lost adding anything to the scene. You're not going to tell, right? Hey, hey, Herbie, 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 Herbie. Look, your homework's good, okay? I'm not going to tell anybody, Herbie, Herbie. Calm down. You don't, you can stop punching Herbie. Herbie, 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 what's happening to you, Herbie? Just calm yourself. Herbie, Herbie, can you hear me, Herbie? Herbie, hello, Herbie, Herbie. Yeah, I don't know if your character needed to necessarily. I thought your physicality and the fun and the weirdness that you were having with that added so much. It was great. And it gave me so much to play <laughs> off of because it was very specific <laughs> and very odd. Every improviser on stage in a scene doesn't necessarily always have to add the same information that everybody else does. And if you're having fun doing a thing, it's just like now it becomes my responsibility to add context information so that the audience doesn't get lost in all of that. Yeah, I was like, great. Travis is having fun. Cool. I'll take care of him and make this kind of make sense in some way. Awesome. Yeah, I, I did feel very taken care of, but I would just as it was, even as I watched it back, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I really got carried away, <laughs> which which became the truth of the scene too. my character got lost. In it, <laughs> yeah, it just just was what happened. Yeah, totally. I want to point out something that's maybe a little behind the scenes slash inside joke. I don't remember if you brought it up in a game tape or not. I think you I think we brought it up in the last game okay. tape where you're having this go-to move of having your character be in love with the, your other character in the scene. Absolutely. Yeah, it's sort of my Southern accent of the past <laughs> where all my characters have Southern accents. Yes. So in the first scene when your character said that you were in love with me. I didn't propose to Rebecca 
because I'm in love with you. I was very motivated to kind of mess with that for the rest of the show, which is why <laughs> every other scene I, I tried to put your character in, in positions to have to say that they were in love with my character. I, I, I don't have all the answers, man, but I just, I, I want the best for you, okay? Why? Because I'm in love with you, Herbie. <laughs> just take me all the way to the border and then keep on driving. I've been gone for long enough. They know that I'm gone for much longer. They're gonna, they're gonna send out the dogs. I'm saying you never have to go back. Why do I never have to go back? Everything I know is back there. Except me. Shut the fuck up. You shut up. Say it. I know you want to say it. No. Say it. Shut up. I won't. Maybe there's one other thing that matters in this world. Yeah, here it comes. Look, maybe I'm in love with you. I loved it. I'm glad you felt that, Travis, because the world needs more more love. You know, I'm a <laughs> I'm a four on the Enneagram test. If anyone's out there in Enneagram nut. Oh yeah. I'm a three. I'm a romantic. That's what the three oh, is. Oh really? Or no, 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 four. 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 Which what, one is it? That's what the four is. Which one is. is it? It's a four, Travis. All right. I'm a four wing three. I forget what I was. I did take it. I think I was a eight or seven. Eight, or yeah, something. the eight, like the trash bag. <laughs> yeah, that was the trash bag one. Whatever the trash bag one is, that was me. <laughs> yeah, man. I uh, I think it's it's a combination of just raw talent, raw fine grade sushi talent, racing stakes, and just complete lack of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's somewhere it's some sort of mix of both of those things yeah it's like you b- playing with your physicality and feeling like you got stuck in it it's mm. like and then me being able to be playful with you about that yeah it's like me having this go-to thing and you being able to have fun with that and make it playful as opposed to judging me too harshly yeah that's that's a nice way to put it actually and it's one of the things that's gonna happen when you play with someone for a long time is if there's a thing you're working on or struggling with or that's just sort of happening it's going to get messed with by the other people on the team which is great it should be i think we found that the audience really responds when you can be playful with each other about those kinds of things yeah so. agreed You know what they say, chasing storms ain't free. So please enjoy this quick message from our sponsor and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by RY Originals, whole plant, vegan CBD vitamins that are full of healthy, purposeful vitamins, minerals, and herbs. Hemp is more nutrient dense than broccoli and berries. It's a superfood. For some reason, every other CBD product extracts and isolates the CBD from the plant, leaving all the nutrients behind. But RY says, not today, nutrients. You're coming with us. By lightly baking the hemp powder and mixing it in with other natural vitamins and minerals, RY creates a perfectly healthy and perfectly balanced experience. So not only do they make you feel good, they are also really good for you. 
They're double lab tested and activated without extraction, which makes them truly original. RY Originals has crafted four unique blends. They've got Better Mood, Pain Lift, Sleep Tight, and Original Blend, all of which are available right now at shop.ryoriginals.com. That's S-H-O-P dot R-Y-O-R-I-G-I-N-A-L-S dot com. So check them out today and don't forget to use discount code STORMCHASER at the checkout to get 420 off every bottle. R-Y Originals, eat your greens. Okay, the next scene, the driving scene, you're going to drop me off at the next stop. Yeah. I'm letting you off next stop, okay? What? Where are we? We're 10 miles to the border. You couldn't just take me the rest of the way? I've already been gone for long enough. They're going to start suspecting something. The farthest I've ever run is six miles. Fucking walk then. What? Don't fucking run. Walk. Why you gotta run the whole fucking way? Well, what if I don't make it in time? This is a perfect example of me, for me, where just having fun and being playful is not going to get you through a whole show. It can get you through a couple good scenes, but by the time we got to this scene, I just had no clear dream about where we were. I had a little bit of like a handmaid's tale, like you're helping me escape. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the scene setting, I had an idea of who we were to each other. I had no dream. No dream at all. I had no idea what our, how I felt about you, what our relationship was, anything at all, until the end of the scene when I forced you to tell me that you love me. But that took, <laughs> that took that took like two minutes to get to. So before that, I was so, so vague and lost and did not dream specifically at all. Yeah, I, I felt very similarly. I really was just working off the wisps of having watched The Handmaid's Tale recently. <laughs> And I knew that we had also been so playful in the first two scenes, you know, trying to switch up the energy and not be super comedic right out the gates, make it a little bit more dramatic. But yeah. it felt like we didn't get to a place where we made our relationship important. And that kind of made the whole scene feel a little flat. Yeah, that's a good point. It was a nice change of pace. I did like the stillness that came from that scene. But eventually I feel like we got to like, bring it home and identify what what's happening. One random trick that is going to be basically useless to people listening to this podcast, because I won't be able to show them, but you, the way you were driving, you sort of turned sideways to your camera and I did the same thing, but looked the other way. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. We could take both of these shots and cut them together like a movie and they would match, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. I don't think we played with that a ton. So to be able to have something that looked a little bit more theatrical mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah, I agree. I think the fourth scene of the show, we had maybe one of our strongest, clearest relationships is like this battle between a school authority and 
a kid at the school, mm-hmm. the fact that you clearly outlined your like life drive, like one of your life drives, which was that you never turned down a double dog dare. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't got much time. I got to get back to the volleyball practice. But uh, what did you, why did you shit in the sandbox? Kyle, why did you shit in the sandbox? Double dog dare. And never, you never, you never don't do a double dog dare. You always do a double dog dare, don't you? Kyle, you don't always have to do a double dog dare. Sometimes life asks you not to do a double dog dare. Dad, what are you talking about? I'm talking about not doing a double dog dare when morality and ethics comes into account. Have you ever learned ethics? Did anyone ever teach you ethics? Ethics, morality, no. I live my whole life so far, the past nine years of my entire life so far, that you always do a double dog dare no matter what. That was so clear. It gave us energy for the rest of the scene. That's so true. I think that's a good lesson that I don't implement enough. If your character has a mantra or a motto and you can say it out loud during the scene, then you know your point of view and everyone knows your point of view and it informs so much. One thing I loved that you did in that scene, and you're really good at this, is just sort of random details. I loved that your character <laughs> had to get back to volleyball practice. Like, it was just like, I got to get back to volleyball practice. Listen, don't shit in the sandbox anymore. I, gotta, I really got to get back to volleyball practice. <laughs> but that was such a random fun detail that also informed your character and told us a lot about who this guy was. Yeah, that was fun. That was a really fun scene. I think our our standoff there and making the double dog dare because it was such a strong choice on your end that it it gave life to me to know what buttons to press with your character mm, in a mm-hmm. relationship, which was very cool. Yeah. Also a cool move to make the police side with the 9-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was fun to this kid has just his confidence about double dog dares. <laughs> of course he has someone on the inside at the police. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Okay. Swing it around to the final scene of the show, which was flawless. We executed it perfectly. We stuck the landing. It was like Simone Biles doing her perfect spin in the air. I don't know gymnastics. They do spins and yeah. twirly, twirly uh-huh. cues. Yeah. Yeah, you are like Simone Biles totally cueing through the air. <laughs> no. Yeah, you you were like uh um Nastia Liukin. Is that a real person? Oh yeah, oh yeah. She was like from the two thousand uh uh something Olympics. Wow. Yeah, she's great. Cool. Thanks, man. You're welcome. I appreciate that. So what actually happened in the scene is we were very much on different pages. We got through a good chunk of the scene before we realized we were on different pages. What do you think happened there? (laughs) Well, I think neither of us were very clear at the beginning of the context of the scene that we were in. Yeah. And so I think I was just working under the assumption that it was a completely new circumstance. But Mm -hmm. I think it's also probably it speaks to the fact that sometimes we might not do as much scene painting as we could to help not only the audience understand where we are, but to help ourselves understand where we are. Yeah, a hundred percent. I wanted to give you the chance to throw me under the bus there because I think I initiated with the first line clearly enough that it was clear that I did have an idea of where we were. 
I think I said, it's really beautiful, isn't it? And in my mind, I'm looking out the window, looking at Earth as we're traveling through space. It's so beautiful, isn't it? I think Storm Chaser likes to be purposely vague because then when we do end up on the same page, it's a little bit more of a magic trick. Um, Annie and Levin O'Connell used to call it, you know, when you jump out of an airplane, you don't pull the parachute right away because that's boring. You want to free fall in the, in the looseness of not knowing for sure what's going on. But if you never pull the parachute, then you hit the ground and you die. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think in this scene, I waited way too long to pull the parachute. It would have been so easy if I had just said, man, from this far away, earth really is beautiful, isn't it? And then you would have known instantly what scene we were in and who we were. Totally. Just by giving a tiny bit of information, you would have been there. But I kept it so vague that how, how, unless you were a mind reader, how would you have known? Totally. Yeah. I think that's a great metaphor, the pulling the parachute. I think we're very conscious that as a team that we don't want to pull our parachute too, too early and enter into a scene and be like, hey, doc, uh, <laughs> oh, my God, you just told me I had cancer and I'm dealing with it in this moment right now. Right. But we definitely can <laughs> forget to pull the parachute. Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah. Um, that said, I it got really messy, and you someone might say we failed in that scene. But watching people deal with a mess and deal with a failure is fun, and I thought it was fun to get again a little bit meta and sort of like get our dreams back lined up and back on track. Service and work. Speeding toward Mars at a gajillion miles an hour. Earth is disappearing from our view out the window. No one is going to know if you warm embrace me as I die. Okay. I realized we're doing a callback, so I'm going to just nix the accent that I've been doing. No, Jefferson, we got to have Russians on the space thing because it's we're unity. We have a Russian. We have a Russian astronaut who's joined our our flight. It's totally appropriate. It totally works. So this is a Russian. I'm a Russian. On my deathbed, I've just I'm flying towards Mars with the Russian astronaut. It's totally fine. It totally tracks. Everything's cool. So just keep Uh, doing that flawless Russian accent. No, it wasn't Russian. I'm gonna make it Russian. No. What was it? It was obviously high British. (laughs) <laughs> we'll oi 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 this is it I can feel it you know in Moscow they have seen for death it is vodka once, die alone. Vodka twice, die alone. Vodka three times, die with vodka. <laughs> Jefferson, you're a crazy, you're a crazy man <clears throat> from Russia. I know. 
I, know. I want that warm Russian embrace before I go. Okay, but in Moscow, this would never have been approved by the KGB. Can you sing me a Russian lullaby while we strip? Oh, I don't know why I thought you were doing a Russian accent because I went back and watched the show and you're clearly not doing a Russian accent at all. I was, I was so hurt. <laughs> I was genuinely hurt. That was a flawless high English accent. I think, I think here's what happened. I've been watching For All Mankind, which is an astronaut show, and there is a scene with some Russian astronauts. So I was like, oh... The accent told me you're clearly not the character from the first scene, so you must be this other character. And in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, I guess he's just this other Russian astronaut along for the ride. <laughs> but it was yeah. fun to it was fun to pick up the pieces. I'd have no idea what it was like as an audience member to watch us wrestle with that, but it was kind of fun. Yeah. I think because we don't do a show with a clear narrative from beginning to ending, it allows us to be messy and have fun with the messiness instead mm. of worrying about tying up every storyline and stuff. So we could go meta and I could be this Russian character who was not from the first scene and we could still have fun with that and have fun with the fact that it was messy. So I thought you, you ran with it so well. I loved the Russian sayings. I loved the Russian lullaby to end the show. I loved I loved all of it. And I think maybe if there's like a lesson to pull is to not be afraid of, quote, getting it wrong because you can get it completely wrong. Like we whiffed that scene and it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. I think one of the most powerful improv exercises I ever did was early on. One of my improv teachers in Austin, Andy Crouch, he was like, all right, everybody, you're going to go up and you're going to do the worst improv scenes possible. And it unlocked everybody in class. All of a sudden, everybody was making really fun, creative choices and having fun with it. And you can't always enter into a show and do that. Um, but it's good to remember when you come to a show and you're a little bit not grounded and you've had a busy day. I used to be so obsessed with, and I still wrestle, wrestle. And I still wrestle with the concept of getting it right. And that mindset will only hold you back. Amen. Well, man, I love playing with you. I love podcasting with you. And I'll see you next time. Sounds good, Travis. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much for listening. We know there are a lot of podcasts to choose from out there. And we are genuinely grateful that you chose to listen to this one. Stay up to date with what we're doing and what we've got coming next on our Instagram at StormChaserImprov or on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash StormChaserImprov or on our website at www.StormChaserImprov.com. Also, while you're here, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be so cool. Thank you for listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show.